0: Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for another day you blessed us with. Thank you for the privilege of being here. Thank you that we can be in your presence and that this is holy ground. Thank you for Lauren and the message you've given him. Open our hearts to what you have through you We can receive it. We ask your blessing on the service. and ask this in Jesus' name, amen. see seated. Good morning and... Welcome in Christ's name this morning, it's good to be gathered together to worship the Lord together this morning. For a message this morning, I've chosen to look at one of the parables that Jesus shared in his ministry here on this earth. You know, as, as Jesus was here on earth, he shared a lot of um, lessons through parables. You know, being Jesus being part of the Godhead, he understood um, effective teaching methods and I think one of the ways that we learn well is when we have illustrations and life lessons that we can relate to. Um, the parable that I want to share with you today is you know, foundational to our walk with the Lord and understanding of his words and teaching. As Jesus said to his disciples in Mark 4.13, this is in the ESV version, And he said unto them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand the parables? So he's saying if you don't understand this one, the other ones will be challenging as well. The parable I'm referring to is the parable of the sower and that is from Matthew 13. But before we get into the scripture reading, I just want to think about this passage a little bit and the setting that Jesus possibly found himself here. You know, we're familiar with lakes and the steep hillsides around around these lakes here. And if we can imagine maybe being at a Bible study at a cottage along one of our lakes, and it gets so crowded and so so many people there that nobody, you know, we can't fit in the cottage anymore. So Jesus grabs a boat that's sitting along the shore, and he pushes out a little bit so he can, he can speak to the crowd better. And I've been along the lakes on evenings, and you can hear a sound from a long way. So I can, I can only imagine Jesus being there sitting in a boat and you know preaching to these people as he's sitting there on the, the lake shore. you know possibly during the day as people had gathered there was maybe a guy out sowing his fields he was planting his crop of wheat and Jesus uses this example to teach them how we should receive the word it might be a little difficult for us to imagine exactly how this farmer was sowing his seed you know we're living in an age where we have um, technology that is pretty amazing when it comes to farming. We don't normally scatter our seed, you know, in places that we don't think it's going to grow. We do. There's a lot of work to prepare the soil to receive that seed. You know, I, I heard of a farmer who had a conversation with an airline pilot and this pilot told him that the farming, the GPS systems used in farming are a lot more advanced than the ones even used in aviation. Um, so our farming techniques are a little different than this farmer used in his time. So I think that's a good thing to keep in mind is, is you know, that's a, is to understand this parable, we need to see it from their perspective and the practices they used back then. And this parable reminds me of the time I was in Haiti, was in the mountains of Haiti, and to watch the farmers as they tilled their ground, they didn't have even an ox or a plow. They had hand tools, and they were hoeing the land behind their houses on the hillside. And so this is the picture that kind of comes to mind as I think of this parable, you know, the labor, the toil of getting the soil ready and then planting it by hand. So let's read, I'm going to be reading from Matthew 13, and I'll be reading verses 1 through 23. Matthew 13, starting at verse 1. The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside, and a great multitude were gathered unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in a parable, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some of the seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some, of the, some fell upon the stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up, because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them, but others fell into good ground, and brought forth fruit, some an hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear." And the disciples came and said unto him, why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given; for whosoever hath in him, for whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance: but whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away even that he hath. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, And hearing, they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their hearts, and should be converted, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For verily I say unto you, that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see these things which ye see, and have not seen them, and to hear these things which ye hear, and have not heard them. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower, when any one heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth it not. Then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received the seed by the wayside. But he that receives the seed into the stony places, the same is he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while, for when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by he is offended. He also that received seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word, and care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches Choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. But he that received seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word, understandeth it, which also beareth fruit, and bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. So we see in this parable, we have four different types of soil that, or, or ground, that received the seed. And this is, the ground is, that we are looking at here in the parable is our hearts. There's four different responses to the word as it is presented to them. And the first one we see is the wayside. And that's, we see that in verse 4, and, and the illustration is then given in verse 19. You know, As he starts out in this parable, he, he, we think of the sower starting from the road. Is that better? Okay. As he starts out in his um, sowing his field, he starts out by the road, and a lot of the fields were probably surrounded by little footpaths that people went back and forth to town as they worked in their fields. And he starts out there, and you know, as he scatters it with his hand, some falls on this hard ground. And that's how some of our hearts can be at times. They become so hard that they can't absorb the seed that God sows in our life. You know, there's many things that could make our heart, heart become so hard that we can't receive the Word. You know, maybe there's circumstances in life that have been very difficult, and we reject God. We don't want to hear it. Um, we've went through the fire, maybe, and the fire has made us bitter and angry. And one other thing I thought about is, we discussed in Sunday school this morning we don't like the messenger. Maybe we um, you know, have excuses for how his life could be better and we don't like him so we reject his message. Um, so these can cause our hearts to become hard. And there's a few other attributes I'd like to look at as well on the wayside. Maybe it's that we're just indifferent. We're being medi- mediocre Christians. We're not... Taking the care to understand God's Word. We're careless. We lack the care for things of God or of others. And one thing that I thought was really interesting here is um, it says that he understood not. You know, there's a lack of understanding of God's Word. You know, the Word of God has a hard time being effective in our life if we don't understand the meaning or the context behind it. You know, Scripture sometimes, you know, can seem difficult to understand. But if we're diligent and have an open heart, God will reveal his will to us. So we need to be careful that we don't find ourselves um, here like the hardened ground. As verse 12 of this chapter says, God will affirm our choice if that's what we choose to be. If we choose to have a hard heart, God will give us even less of his word. But for those who seek and love him, he will give them more. But for those who are hardened, they will understand his word even less. So the second one is the stony ground. And when I think of the stony ground, I think of the area Alicia grew up in. Her, her dad's farm is in the limestone ground, but there's other farm ground close by that they call the shale ground. So on the, on the years where there's a lot of precipitation and rain, and maybe in the springtime, the crops can look very nice. But as soon as the heat of summer comes along, or there's a lack of rain, these crops shrivel up and look pretty pathetic. And so this is the illustration that Jesus gives for the, the stony ground. Now these, the crops cannot withstand the hard times because there's a lack of good soil on top of the rocks. And this is how our heart responds to God's word if we are the stony ground. There may be a quick reception of God's Word. It looks good for a little bit, but it has no lasting effect on our life. There's shallowness, and maybe, maybe we have good intentions when we start out, um, but good intentions don't carry us through. There's also a, um, looking for the praise of men, or putting on of appearance. There's not, our response is not because of the work of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. But rather because of what other people will think. You know, we want the instant gratification of popularity. We want to be well thought of of our family and friends, so we choose our, to do our response on that. <clears throat> in John twelve, forty two and forty-three, many of the Jewish rulers found themselves in this situation. It says, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. And we actually discussed this a little bit in our Sunday school this morning. You know, did these men not see that Jesus was the true Messiah? And I think many of them did, but as we see here, because of the fear of man, they did not respond to God's message. If we are seeking the praise of others, you know, our... Response to Christ will vary depending on who are we, we are with at the moment. You know, the praise of man is fickle and fleeting. God's love is sure and welcoming. And if we seek him with a pure heart, he will be there for us. Also, maybe we have an emotional response. We have the parable of the two sons in Matthew 21 and 28. Matthew 21:28 to 32 where the one son, when his father asked him to go do some work, he said that he would. And the second said no. son said, no, that I, I won't do it. But in the end, the first son, even though he promised his father he would, he did not go. And the second son, who in the first response was like, no, in the end he said, yes, he would go. So sometimes maybe we just want to, you know, in the heat of the moment, we want to make God happy or um, our friends and family happy. But once the emotions leave, we fail to follow through with our commitment to Christ. So maybe, you know, as a stony ground, we are emotional or or have an emotional response. Ephesians 4.14 talks about not being washed about by every new doctrine that comes along or the feel-good message of false (coughs) teachers. Um, verse 13 of that chapter gives us a few keys to avoid this. You know, we as believers are to be unified in faith and have the knowledge of Jesus Christ. So there again, we need to have an understanding and a knowledge of Jesus and his words. The third one is the thorns. In the heart that is filled with thorns, you know, if you think about it, it says you know, it could grow... Something, you know, it was fertile ground. There were thorns growing there, there was thistles, whatever were growing there. So it wasn't that it wasn't capable of growing good crops or, brewing, but, or being unfruitful. But unfortunately, this heart was too distracted by earthly things to be mindful of the heavenly things. And I think sometimes maybe this is one of the easier traps for a believer to fall into. Um, this is not necessarily choosing to deliberately walk away from God but we've become distracted from God. It's not that these things are maybe wrong in themselves, but we allow them to crowd out the things of God. And I I believe this person actually received the word well. It took root, it started growing. This person had a good relationship with God. He was looking very well and looked like he was going to be fruitful. But alongside the good seed, there were some other things that were starting to grow. And maybe in our Christian life we can, maybe we see a few weeds, maybe we see a few thorns. We think, uh, it doesn't matter that much. And you know, it's like your garden. One day, it feels like one day you look at it and it looks pretty clean. The next day you come back um, and it's choked with weeds. And that's how our Christian life can become if we get careless and do not take care to get rid ourselves of those things. And choking gives us the idea of the life being cut off. You know, the life's slowly squeezed out. So I don't think this is something that happens overnight, but it's a progression over many years, maybe. It's a slow process that we don't even notice. And it says, and one th- I'd like to look at two things, why this ground became unfruitful. And that's an, an interesting thing I'd like you to think about. It says it became unfruitful. So it gives the idea that it was fruitful at one point. So the two things listed there that cause this heart to become unfruitful is the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. For a few verses about the cares of this world, I would like to look at John 1, 2, 15-17. 1 John two fifteen through 17 It says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the eye, the lust of the, the, lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So this this heart became too crowded with worldliness. For the word of God to take root and become fruitful, and as these verses show us, we can't love God and the world at the same time. We cannot love. We cannot serve two masters. And so, like we may ask, what is the what is the world? And verse verse 16 there gives us a few few things that we can look at. It Says the lust of the flesh, and those so things that maybe the luxuries of life, the things that Pleases our flesh. The lust of the eye could be those things that, that maybe the beautiful things, the fancy things, um, coveting things that we can't have. And then the pride of life, you know, the status of trying to be someone, impressing other people, wanting positions of power and prestige. And I've, I heard, a, you know, sometimes we can try to put things in a box and say this is worldly or that's worldly. And I don't think it's that easy. You know, one thing could be worldly for me that's not worldly for someone else. You know, I was thinking about like, you know, for John, like a hornbeck canoe made out of Kevlar probably to him wouldn't be worldly. You know, he doesn't even know what it is. Well, to me, like if, if one of you guys showed up with that, I'd be pretty impressed, you know? And so that could be, in my heart, could be something that's worldly. Something as simple as that could become a source of pride and distract me from God. And so I heard a heard a definition recently as of of worldliness that I liked, and it, he said that it's anything that takes you away from God, anything that comes between you and God, is is worldly. And so I think we each need to to uh, examine our hearts and see if there's things there that are becoming that are coming between me and God? What's taking my heart away from God? What's distracting me? What's choking out the kingdom in my heart? And Colossians 3, 2, is a good reminder for, for us. It says, set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. You know, God may or may not bless us with some earthly things. The important thing is that we keep our focus and our affections on Christ and his kingdom, not on the fleeting earthly things another good question I ask myself is, am I spending my time building an earthly empire or a heavenly kingdom? So the second point there is that Jesus points out is is the deceitfulness of riches. And this was the second thing that caused this ground to become unfruitful. You know, money is one of those things that um, we have to deal with every day. And so it can easily um, become a distraction for us. It's a necessary thing. So that we can provide for ourselves and our family but we need to be careful that it keeps its proper place <coughs> as we think of the word deceitful deceitful has the meaning of a false impression and so money can give us a false impression of social status of security um, of satisfaction, happiness, or many other things. But in reality, only God can fill those places in our lives. <clears throat> and so maybe we could ask the question, what is God's standard on what is enough? In 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy 6, 6-11, through 11, he tells us, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we will carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and in a snare, and many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. <coughs> For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some have coveted after, they have erred from the face, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things, and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Sorry, it feels like my tickle is coming back again. (laughs) Although I'm better prepared this time. (laughs) So in these verses, we can see what God truly values. We can see what he wants us to be spending our time and energy pursuing. (coughs) And I think these verses... They give us quite a contrast of what our culture shows us is important. But we can see what God wants us to be seeking after. And if we aren't paying attention to the spirit of the world, we'll come into our lives and choke out the good fruit that God will have us bring forth. So then, the last and fourth example we have in this parable is the example of the good and fruitful ground. Jesus shows us what our hearts should be like; they should be ready and willing to receive His word and bring forth abundant fruit. You know, if we consider the sweat and toil that it takes <coughs> to prepare the ground in the day that Jesus, you know, was giving this illustration. I think we can appreciate the diligence that it takes to keep our heart ready to receive the word of God. As God told the nation of Israel in Hosea 10, 12, it says, Break up your fallow ground for it is time to seek the Lord till he comes and rain righteousness upon you. And to have our hearts ready to receive the word, we need to break up the hard spots in our life. We need to dig out the rocks so that we don't have shallow ground. And we need to rid... Ourselves of the thorns and thistles that smother out the word of God. Notice um, it says that we'll bring forth thirty, sixty, and a hundred. There will be an abundant fruit that will come forth out of a ground that is ready to receive God's word. You know it's important that we receive it not only for our own lives, but as we are fruitful, that fruit will spill over and it will bless those who are around us. Our families, our church, our work associates, and <coughs> community will know that if we are bearing the fruit of Christ, and they will know if we are committed to living out the message of Christ, or if our focus is el- elsewhere. So I just want to look briefly at a few fruits of good ground, and obviously one of the first passages that comes to mind is Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Here are some of the fruits that a good ground will bring forth. Those are the fruits of a ready heart. Another one is a life of service. Soon after Jesus gave the disciples the (coughs) the powerful example of servanthood by washing his disciples' feet, he tells them, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have loved one for another. This is the thing that will define if you are a true disciple of God, is if you love your brethren, and if you love each other. This will be an indicator to all men, to our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, to our friends, our neighbors, to our community, that we are believers in Jesus. James 1.27 says, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. So I think it's vital that we have a heart of compassion. When we see needs, when we see those that have hard times in their life, that we have compassion, we reach out to them and care for them. And also, says in the end of the verse, it says, Keep ourselves unspotted from the world. We are to be in the world and not of it. As disciples of Christ, we are to show the world a better way. (coughs) So to wrap this up, I just want to share a few things that I think can help prepare our heart to receive God's word. And the point number one is study the word of God. Psalms 1, 2 and 3 says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So, my question I would present to us today is What is on your mind as we go about our day? And what is your meditation as you lie down to sleep? Can we echo the words of these verses? Are we delighting in God's word? You know, it's vital that we fill our hearts and minds with Scripture. Because if you notice, the differences between these, a lot of these grounds will be the word understanding is in there. The difference between the hard ground and the good ground was the lack of understanding. The good ground understood the word as it was presented. And the, the, there was a few verses in there that we didn't really look at, in, but look at. And there Jesus tells them, if you are diligent in seeking him, he will give you even more. But if we lack that, <coughs> if we don't, do not follow his word, he will take away even what we do know. So it's vital that we fill our minds with scripture and study God's, God's word. I think we've probably all heard the quote says, Watch your thoughts, they become your words. Watch your words, they become your actions. <coughs> Watch your actions, they become your habits. Watch your habits, they become your character Watch your character It becomes your destiny And this all starts with What we are meditating on The second one is Do the will of the Father In First John 2.17 He talks about that You know, as God reveals His will to us Today, we need to follow, be faithful In following that <coughs> Excuse me And you know, as, we, as He continues To lead us, we continue to follow us and sometimes we feel like we can't we don't know what tomorrow's going to bring, but if we are faithful in today, he will lead us into tomorrow. Note the great promise that God has given us in the last part of this verse. It says, He that doeth the will of the Father abideth forever. You know, the world <clears> the <throat> things of the world are temporary and fleeting. They will soon be gone, but he that abides in God will abide forever. And then James five sixteen has two more that I think are are vital to preparing our hearts. It says, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So I think it's vital that we, in the first part there it says, confess your faults one to another. And it says that that will bring healing. And as we confess our, our hard spots, the rocky places, the weeds, those things can can be restored. You know, I liked Kendall's devotion this morning where he talked about God giving us a second chance. You know, I'm guessing most of us have experienced each one of these types of soil in our life at some point in time. But God didn't give up give up on us. You know, we can confess, we can repent, and we can come back to Christ. And the second one is prayer. Prayer is vital in the part vital part of the life of a believer. That's what empowers the believer. It's your connection to the Father. And in James one five, it says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given unto him. As we face situations in life, we need to ask God for wisdom, and he will gladly do that for us. So this morning... In closing, you know, a question I would like to ask each one of us is to consider what type of soil is your heart this morning. You know, for myself, as I studied these types of ground and how it received the word, you know, it definitely stepped on my toes. And I feel like, you know, there's been times in my life where I've probably experienced each one of them. (coughs) I think the biggest lesson for me was, you know, I need to have my heart ready at all times to receive the word. You know, I need to be in the Word, be under and have an understanding, so that I can discern between truth and and falseness. <clears throat> so, I just my prayer this morning is God would bless each one of you as you continue to serve Him, to seek His will, and my prayer is that each one of us would have a heart ready to receive His Word. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Dear gracious Father in heaven, we. Thank you for your patience with us. Thank you that even as we sometimes are maybe hard-hearted or have stony grounds in our hearts, you're willing to have patience with us and break up our foul ground so that you can bring righteousness into our hearts. I just pray that we would have hearts this morning that are ready to receive your word so that we could be fruitful in your kingdom. I just pray you bless each one as they go from here. I just pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Dwight, you have a song?